Welcome to Turnpikers, the show about the people who make up the Denver and Boulder tech scene. We're your hosts, Luke Beatty and Danny Newman. Information about this show is available at turnpikers.com and at turnpikers on Twitter. Welcome to this episode of Turnpikers. Today we've got our friend Iron Mike Gelman joining us. Danny and I decided to bring Iron Mike Gelman to our very first show because Iron Mike Gelman is the person who introduced me to Danny. I had no idea. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I am truly honored to be here at the first Term Pikers podcast. It's amazing and exciting. When I saw on Facebook that you two were teaming up, I felt it couldn't be a better union of, uh, of Colorado Minds. So I say thank you, my friends. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. The first thing we want to get started with is a little bit of a background thing. So when you think about the Denver tech scene, you were sort of one of the first people to develop a third-party agency development firm, mm-hmm. which back in the day was how most people got things done, right? Yes. People didn't have the kind of uh, in-house capabilities that uh, that we see at just about every uh, new business in Colorado. So. Give us the very brief story of like how you decided to become a, a third-party dev shop. I, you know, I, I prefer to be known as a digital product development firm, but oh. uh, and I also feel that uh, that sometimes outsourced or third-party dev is a great option to building a team internally. But this most definitely isn't an advertisement. If you want to find out about my company, you can uh, you can go online, go to www.spiredigital.com. Uh, but uh, my story, how I how I got into this business, how I got to Colorado, is uh, is a series of odd and and weird and uh, you know misshapen events. Uh, I'll go really quick because I know you. Ha- we only have how long? Like an hour and forty five minutes for this podcast. Cut Couple that hours. in half and then cut it in half again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I, after college. I was in New York. I was making monster movies. I was working for the guy who did the Toxic Avenger and Class of Nukem High and Cycle Sluts from Hell. <laughs> And uh, and that was my job, and it and it burned me so far out of New York that I had to go as far as I could without going to California, and that's how I landed here. But while making the monster movies, my boss was like, "What's this internet thing?" And I said, "I don't know. I'll go figure it out." And uh, this was '94 ish, and uh, somehow I, I discovered a a love of uh, the internet. I actually used AOL, which uh, which I think somebody here works with that, right. at that time. But I was right. only there very shortly because I got sick of the You Got Mail thing dinging in my house. It just wasn't cool. It still wasn't cool. It's really not cool now. It's actually it, cool again. But is it cool again? Retro cool. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Yeah, hipster cool. Anyway, I made my way out to Denver. I, uh, I worked at the Outback Steakhouse. I had two ex-cons who lived across the hall, and um, they did the work for me. I sold it. Uh, wasn't a very good business for two years. And then I met a guy named John Nordmark. We got together every couple of weeks for the next, uh, let's say, you know, four months after we met. And, uh, and he said, hey, Mike, if I give you $450,000, do you think you could build uh, a website uh, called eBags? And uh, I did it. I built it somehow. And, um, and from then on, it was a very early uh, website. It was a very early .com. And from then on, um, I had a company. People knew what we did. People, inter- you know, nationally, internationally wanted to know who could build dot coms. And that was us. That was 1998, 18 years ago, when Danny was like three. Yeah, right around that. <laughs> a little older. Yeah. So that's my tale. That is my tale, Luke. And uh, w- 
when did you make the shift from basically being a third party, I'll build you a website <laughs> operation to building more tools and features and, yeah. and, and applications for people that already sort of had their own web presence? I love, I truly love how you call us a third, a third party dev operation. It's, it's a sexy, uh, a sexy term, but, um, you know, really as, as the business went on, as, as time went on, I think that just building websites, just, uh, just being a web designer, you know, that, that became a commodity and, and we weren't really adding much to, uh, to our clients, uh, business. We really wanted to grow our, our business into something that was a lot more. We wanted to, uh, you know, we wanted to discover the customer experience, the user experience. We wanted to really show show people how to make a successful company. So we sort of morphed into kind of a a combination of a of a management consulting firm and a software development shop. And it just happened really naturally. You know, after uh, the dot com bust and after the recession, you know, you really have to figure out what works, and uh, and that's what worked for us. And one of our clients was, uh, you know, was Associated Content. Right. And after we saw big success with them, and love, Luke loves when I bring things back to him uh, so much. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, great. Anyway. We, we were a good customer, probably. You were a great customer, and, um, and you were an even better friend and drinking buddy. There you go. I remember back in the uh, late 90s, uh -huh. you were extremely involved in the, in kind of the first wave of the Denver tech scene, really. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, can you uh, bring us and our listeners back to that time a little bit? I, I feel like there was a uh, obviously a big crash soon after that, but right. uh, there's a lot of uh, high life going on back then, and uh, you were a big part of creating that initial yeah. community and some of that uh, initial vibe around this area. Yeah, it was it was really an awesome time. You know, once the I mean, it wasn't really a short time either. You know, I mean, it, you know, we started in 1998, and that party lasted for the next four years. What was so great about it was it was a very small group of people who knew what to do and, and who knew how to design and how to develop. And we were all young. It was kind of like everything that, that's going on in Austin and San Francisco and, and you know, and all over, all over the country, except it was small and, and you really felt like you were in a special club. You know, we had, uh, we had parties, you know, Factory Labs was getting started yeah. and subsequently Beatport. There were all these different startups that were growing. Brad Fell was, uh, was a lot younger than you are now, right. Danny. And, uh, and it was just a really good time to come up with ideas, fail a lot, and party a lot. And it was awesome. I think that I'll, I'll never forget the party we had over on Santa Fe at this place called Goog. Were, were either of you there? I was at that one. I remember. You, <laughs> we, oh, yeah. You, know, the, the you must have been 16. I think I should tell everybody how we met, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, did, you, did you know this, Luke, that the reason Danny and I met was because of the Jewish Business Association. I was at the Jewish Business Association. I must have been 25, 26 years old. And uh, his dad, an optometrist, Dave, my current optometrist <laughs> at Ingle, Inglewood Eye Care, he came up to me and goes, you, uh, you work in this, uh, this internet world, huh? And I said... Yeah, he goes, uh, I have a son, he's about 15 years old, and he's already started 10 businesses. I want you to meet him and talk to him. And uh, that was it. Yeah. From you, then on. You, I, I still have your gig media business card. Uh, <laughs> I found that not so long ago. But yeah, absolutely. Gig that was, media, that was yeah. the Gelman Investment Group. That was, was, uh, okay. was pre-Spire pre Media. Yeah. Now we're Spire Digital. Who was the first sort of name brand customer 
beyond e-bags, and that that is a success mm-hmm. and remains a, a success. But beyond e-bags, once you sort of got going, who mm-hmm. is the who is the first big fish that you kind of put in the boat and built them something that was that glowed in the dark? Because you got to be known as as the best, you know, the best group to work with in town, both on the product side and on the consulting side. Who was the who was the first big fish that you were really really stoked about? you know, delivering a, a presence to? You know, there were a lot of tech companies in Colorado that were springing up. You know, one was uh, was Raindance. They started out as as Evoke, and we rebranded them to Raindance, and they subsequently went public and then merged. There was a company called Rhythms Net Connections that was doing all the DSL when DSL was was something that, that you actually had to have a business. Uh, some of the other cool stuff that we, uh, that we built, we built a company called Y.com, which was um, which was the first. It was the first search engine that did the thinking for you, and it was you know a lot of the things that Google ended up doing many years later, or what they probably were doing it then, but it hadn't been rolled out to the public. We were doing them. They failed, but it was a really cool experience. And then when I was in New York, I had a lot of friends in the comedy scene. They were those were my people, and I was very close with the David Letterman people. So. Right when I started Spire, uh, Dave's people called me up, my friends over there, and they said, what is this internet thing? Can you build us a site? And we don't want it to be, and Dave was was vehement that he didn't want to be involved with CBS because this was right around when um, when he got this new contract and he had some autonomy and he had his business that was doing Everybody Loves Raymond. So we became Dave Letterman's official web developer. And that was just about the coolest thing yeah, ever. Yeah, that's terrific. Yeah. So. And you were able to then use that as a lead horse to get, I'm yeah. sure, lots of other. Well, you know, I was, what was that company called? Worldwide Pants. Worldwide Pants, Pants. exactly. Yeah. Worldwide Pants. Yeah, it was. You know, I mean, I was uh, even back then. I was a uh, a a big promoter, and uh, and I just use that as much as I can to get through the door. So we get some really unsexy clients because of the sexy clients. Sure. So yeah, I used that as much as I could. It was like from then on, for the next year or so it was Dave Letterman's web developer Spire Media. Yeah. yeah. And you're even just as funny. What <laughs> I, think as about Dave Letterman? <laughs> yeah. Think about uh it, so in a world where That's sarcasm by the way. <laughs> in a world where we're all sort of trying to prioritize three things, right? Product, people, and a business plan. As you've built Spire and then sort of passively helped build all these other people's teams from a consultant perspective. In what order do you prioritize those? Uh, are you more of a got to have a great plan or got to have the right people or got to have the the right, you know, product? What is your how do you prioritize those 3 Ps? Yeah. I've worked with 400 startups over the years, if not more, and I've learned a very simple rule. People, people, people. You right. can you can drop the other two until you have the good people. Product is so important. A great idea is so important. But if you have the right people, they're going to turn even a shitty idea yep. into a solid idea. Um, plans these days, and you know, especially what we're doing at Spire and pretty much everybody's doing throughout our world, everything's agile. So having a plan is almost, uh, neg- you know, is almost counter to what you're trying to do. But if you have good people, whether you have a plan or not, they're going to create a plan and they're going to create the products and they're going to create all the ideas that are going to work for you. So I couldn't stress people more. And speaking of people, you have been around for, Spire's been around for quite a long time. How do you find and maintain good quality people around you? How do you grow your own team? 
Well, listen, I think that I think that you got to build a company that people want to work for. I think you have to build a reputation with your clients, with the community, with the public. I think that's really important. You have to give them something to believe in. That's uh, apparently what these millennials want these days. Yeah. But beyond that, you know, for me, I treat them how I wanted, how I would want to be treated. I give people freedom. We do unlimited paid time off. I give people a share in in what we're building. We do uh, we do quarterly profit sharing. We take care of our people in that we uh, in that we pay for their health care and their dental and their optics as well, Danny. Sure, a hundred percent. And so, so those are all the things that keep people. And then they're happy and they're talking to their friends. And the best people that we've ever had at our company come from people who are already at our company. In addition, these days I'm really stoked on groups like G School and Seed Paths and even Rally. Rally's doing a wonderful job with their agile training and their scrum training. And you're taking, you know, people who really could be great in this industry, but just don't have an understanding of, of the methodologies that people are using now. And all of a sudden, after, after a couple of weeks, they're experts. And Seed Paths, do you guys know about Seed Paths? Yeah. It's, it, so, so basically, they take these uh, kids who, you know, oh, awesome. normally wouldn't be, um, norm- normally might not go to college or, or might not have a step up, and they teach them coding. And, uh, and it's a six months, is it six months or is it longer? I, I think they break it down into all different micro sessions right. and then broader curriculum and the whole. It's an intensive group. Amazing. And yep. what happens though, after that, they, they set them up with companies and they give the companies incentives to hire them. And so some of our greatest young employees came from that program. I couldn't be a bigger supporter of that. And these are really, really incredible people and they really want to work with us. One of the challenges of running a business like yours is that if you hire really awesome talent Mm -hmm. and then you have clients that work with your talent Mm -hmm. day in and day out, Mm -hmm. you inevitably become sort of a farm system for people to grab your people and bring them on board as FTEs for their, for -hmm. their company. I remember back in the day that was something that you struggled with because it was, it was also the, the greatest compliment, right? right? Which is that you're, you're bringing these people into your company, you're training them, you're getting them great, and then they get offered a, uh, a full-time job, not that they don't already have one, but uh, working on maybe a product, they are going to maintain it internally at a, at a customer. Is that still something you have to manage and maybe you just endorse it and that's kind of the way you do business or is that mm-hmm. something that seems like a, a hard thing to do right the better yeah. the better yeah. job you do by giving the better uh service the more risk you have at losing those people to that customer yeah I, it's definitely an issue i think we've we've worked around it i mean we have contracts where there are penalties for doing that and you know if, if there's the right situation we're more than happy to quote unquote you know sell these employees but you know, the, the truth of the matter is, we're not gonna um, we're not gonna keep people from having the job that they love, and we're not gonna keep companies from being successful. I think that what's important to note, though, is these days with agile and lean methodologies and how we've structured our company, our employees are a machine. So they all work in teams, generally, you know, four to six six people. They grow up together. They work on these products together, and they become reliant upon each other. So really. Uh, each individual is a sum of their parts. And uh, I don't know if that was the right thing to say, but they are a sum of their parts and, and the sum of the team. So, you know, I feel that we add a lot more value than just an individual. And I think that there are great people out there who recruit and place, but that's not what we do. We put together the teams that uh, that really make it work. So That's awesome. And I love great. selling people. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Denver 
is uh, exploding right now. Right. Uh, it is uh, it is the hottest market in the country for for mm-hmm. a lot of things and for a lot of reasons. And getting talent is probably not uh, not su- super difficult because of that. But is retaining talent um, hard? And also, how does uh, that play into you know increased cost of living and things like that? I feel like you know Denver, especially have for the past couple decades, has been a awesome and easy place to live and extremely low cost of living. And over the past few years, that's certainly changed. How Mm. is that uh, affecting everything about uh, Spire and and, uh, employees? Well, personally, I'm sick of sitting in my car uh, for about an hour and 20 minutes to go three miles. That I really don't like, and I don't like the fact I'm. I'm just going to complain for a little about uh, about urban sprawl for a m- few minutes, but and I don't like having to make reservations for for lunch, uh, or you know. When did or, that become a thing in Denver? I know reservations. It's, 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 it's amazing. I, th- I thought I was moving to a cow town, but you know. But in all seriousness, uh, I think th- I think the growth has been great. I think it's really exciting. We're getting a lot more opportunity than we ever have. We're getting. A whole different type of client of clientele. We're we're getting a whole different type of clients, and we're getting a whole different type of employees that are moving into town. So we have we simply have the resources now, and I, I think it's worth the um, I think it's worth the trade off. As far as Spire, we're not noticing much of a difference. You know, knock on wood. I think that we've uh, we've been doing the right thing by our employees for a long time. You know, we've been you know, voted best place to work for a long time. And, you know, and the, the aforementioned, you know, healthcare and, and unlimited PTO and, um, you know, and profit sharing. And then you throw in their training and, and mentorship and all those things. We, we've been doing those, you know, since, uh, you know, since the dot-com days. But I think that other companies are going to have to do that. And, um, you know, and I think, that's, uh, I think that's great. You know, I think the better you treat people, you know, the better off they are. So this show is called Turnpikers because of the uh, the a concept that Daniel and I are committed to, which is that that the Denver and Boulder scenes are should be should be one, um, and and that it shouldn't be about bridging the two or anything. It mm-hmm. should just be about a, a, talking about them as a as a singular community. And there's certainly unique components to both sides, both ends of the turnpike. But um, you've always felt that way. We've talked about that yeah. many times over the years. Do you feel that they, that there is uh, more or less of a divide between Denver and Boulder from uh, in the tech scene uh, in the last, we'll say, two or three years compared to the prior, you know, decade? Or how do you feel like that, that, that coming together or coalescing is happening or not happening? Lately, and, and not just in the past couple of years, you know, probably the, the past seven, eight years, We've really gotten into clicks. I think you know it's a natural inclination. It's it, since high school. Uh, I think we all like to uh, you know to pick who we're a part of, and then and then uh, and then latch onto that and kind of look at others. As, when we're uh, older, we call them clans. Yeah, clans, <laughs> clans, yeah. clicks. You know, whatever you want to call them. But I definitely, you know, it, it, it's like I see the Denver Boulder click. You know, the Denver click versus the Boulder clicks. Then you got the galvanized versus, say, the industry clicks. You know, you have the Feld, you know, uh, Foundry versus everybody. Brad, I love you. But, you know, I mean, that's the, the, the Foundry Techstars crew versus, you know, say, the other venture capital firms. And, uh, you know, and then you even have, like, early stage startups versus later stage startups. And you have startups that have raised money versus uh, startups that are, that are bootstrapping it. And then you have, you know... I'm I'm very uh, privy to this. You have this. You have the service providers versus the non-service providers, and uh, it does nothing. You know what I mean? I I think that the more we can get rid of that, you know, 
the more we can do together. I think that, um, you know, we're trying to build a great community. I was in Israel recently with Governor Hickenlooper. I went on a trade. Did I tell you about this? I don't know. I went on a trade mission. And what I was so amazed was how tight oh, yeah. the community is there in Tel Aviv and, you know, and all the surrounding areas. I mean, they're, they are the Israeli tech community. And interestingly, Israel is, you know, not, not that much bigger than Colorado. Uh, and what I found out, we were lucky enough to sit down with Benjamin Netanyahu, which is my, my crowning uh, accomplishment of the past uh, year. And what he said is the reason our tech community is so big, the reason so many people work in, in technology is for survival. This is the way to build up our country. And I feel the same way about, I, I brought it back, I'll bring it back to Colorado, the way that uh, I, so, I feel the same way about Colorado. That for us to uh, to stop being the uh, the pot smoking great place to live counterpart to uh, to all the other tech communities, we can really be a true tech powerhouse if we join forces. Yeah. All right. Love it. You've been in business an extremely long time. <laughs> can you tell us about some of the uh, some of the the the, the downtimes, some of the uh, depressing moments, layoffs, failures? Well, the, et cetera. you know, the better word for layoffs is right sizing, you know, because it's uh, it, it's something every entrepreneur is going to have to do at some point or another, as I'm sure all of us in this room understand. Um, you know, you're never going to I think that you're never going to um, have the company at the right size and you're never going to always have the right employees. And so I would say that that the worst times I've ever had, they weren't wasn't the dot com days. It wasn't the reset, you know, the, the dot com bust or the recession. I think it was when we had people who just made me fucking nuts. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and if they were making me nuts, they were making employees and clients nuts. So those are down days. But when it comes down to it, I think that regardless of what the economy does and, you know, and we're always, we're always going through change, I think it's, it's fun. You know, if you realize that, n that nothing is going to be steady, uh, you learn to embrace it and, and really learn to enjoy the ups and downs. It's, it's a real tough challenge to handle the, you know, I think in a in an ideal world, we would all, you know, hire slowly mm -hmm. and fire slowly, right. right? Take forever to hire people, feel them out, do all that sort of stuff, um, get them to know people, maybe even give them a contract where they're working as a contractor for a while mm -hmm. and see how they fit culturally and professionally and academically and all those sorts of things. And then to fire slowly when we realize it's not working out, put them on performance plans and do all of that sort of stuff. But it, it, there's something about the world that we work in that just does not allow that, right? I mean, you 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 have to almost hire quickly and fire quickly. Uh, and if you if you can only pick one of them, it does seem like firing quickly is is the right thing to do because yep. it it really we is work a cancer. At, yeah, we work yeah. at the speed of business, and if you're if you're a small team and you're working in a real rapid development environment, if you've got a bad egg, it's really tough to to try to you know teach people how to play well with others and how to um, um, have the same values that your company has. I don't know if you've had that with Roximity at all. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the firing fast thing is, is uh, it's something that was always said and, and we did not do it in a couple circumstances as quickly as we should have. Well, it's, it's, it's so funny. You know, I've been in, uh, in 
I'm the longest-running Colorado member of the Entrepreneurs Organization, formerly the Young Entrepreneurs Organization. Until but now that you're getting old, you right? Can't, yeah. Until everybody, until <laughs> everybody that. got old, yeah. and uh, and and recently, I'm in the, the uh, Young Presidents Association, which is a misnomer because everybody's pretty much um, over 40, 40. so yeah. it's really not the you know not young at all. But, um, you know, and they, they train you on all of these things. I mean, you could really read one book and know what you should do to run a business. But what you should do and what you can do and what you do do are all different. Uh, they're all different things. And, uh, and yeah, but people issues are always the biggest thing, especially for a company like mine where it's uh, – we're a people company. That's what we sell. We don't really sell people, but we sell we sell their minds and we sell the methodology and the process of putting them together. And um, when we have to get rid of somebody or um, or somebody quits, we have to act really quickly because people are hiring us for speed and uh, and they're not going to be on hold and we can't be on hold. So, what's the uh, what's the company or 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 endeavor that you see out there right now today that is the most edgy, interesting thing that you see out there uh, in uh, in the in Denver Boulder in, in our sort of world. What 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 when you whether it's a whether it's a person with an idea or mm -hmm. a group what, or or just a product, maybe even a derivative product from a from a bigger organization. Mm -hmm. What do you see out there that you think is that glows in the dark? You know, I mean, I think I think Internet of Things is uh, is really exciting. Uh, I think there are there are companies like. Um, like Ratch.io, um, what's the other one? They were a, a tech stars company, uh, Brett. Uh, Notion. Notion. Yep, Brett um, Jorgen. Yeah, yeah, yep. great guy. Yep. Uh, Notion and, uh, and Ratch.io, I mean, they're doing cool stuff and they really are the types of companies that have the potential, like Ness, to start with, you know, with one small idea or one small problem that they're solving and go from there. One of our clients who's a, uh, you know, who's a close friend of yours, um, what uh, what Glodet is doing, Chris Glodet over at uh, over at Under Armour, you know, they built that watch that we did together, and I think they're really trying to become uh, a technology company. So I really like that. Not that they're, you know, so much in Colorado, but they're in Colorado. Yep. Um, you know, personally, I'm really excited about. I can't wait to get my autonomous car. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's really exciting. Um, at Spire, we're uh, you know we've become a relatively unsexy company in in so far as we work with um we solve problems that aren't necessarily what the world is you know is going crazy over but they we solve big problems right now we're working with um with a group called Hawksley Consulting and we're building um a tool called Rateware which is essentially going to determine going to determine water rates for utilities all over the world uh that's really exciting for me um Let's see what uh, what else are we working on that's exciting. We just launched for Healthy Careers, which is um, which is a division of Dice.com, um, and it's kind of a new methodology or a new paradigm for um, for getting you know having the hirers get out there and having the employers get employees get out there and matching them very quickly. So it's all exciting. How about you? I'd like to know what you're excited about. Uh, let's. Uh, the most interesting stuff that I I'm working on right now, I think, is more on the on the media side, which is really working with um, you know at at Verizon and AOL. We have all of these legacy, which are now called legacy media brands, mm -hmm. whether it's TechCrunch or Engadget or Autoblog or any of these other sort of 
old new media companies and really trying to crack the code on how to flip them from being traditional blog roles to really multi-format brands, media brands, where they are not just from a destination perspective where people are getting their content from those brands in every nook and cranny of, of, of every web mobile and, uh, and offline and online environment. But moving from being a text-based business to being, you know, having things like podcasts and being on mm -hmm. serious radio and having TV shows that are on linear TV and having shows that are on OTT and, and really making a massive format shift mm -hmm. and making that work, uh, the go-to-market on that, you know, that takes completely different kinds of talent to do that. And really, you know, my, my goal professionally right now is about figuring out a way to help brands make that move, right? And it's, it's complicated and it's, it's on the personnel side, it's on the technology side, it's on the, um, uh, a lot on the design side and really making it so that you can have a be everywhere media uh, experience that is in every format without also hiring another, you know, multiplying your staff and your apps and your websites by a multitude that you can't handle, right? So that's really what, what I'm interested in. There's a lot of technology in there about connecting these formats and enabling really legit editorial talent to move from one form to one form factor to another form to another mm -hmm. form factor and, and really trying to get that going. And that's super interesting to yeah. me. It's very in line with what I did at Yahoo and associated content and other stuff I'm doing. So that's, that's super interesting to me. Would that be following the Vice model? Um, I think so, although Vice is more of a, uh, just a straight content, you know, producer. They are building, and, and most of their, you know, they're doing some text, mm -hmm. and but largely all sorts of shapes and sizes and colors of video production. They're also using carriers to distribute it. They're using, mm -hmm. you know, HBO, and now they're getting ready to launch their own. Right. Uh, their own network. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of that, although they kind of came into the game when that change had already shifted. And this is about taking brands like the Huffington Post, for example, mm -hmm. that just used to be blog posts and it was just a river of, of text and, mm -hmm. and people don't want to read a five paragraph essay on their phone anymore. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot to do with the shift to mobile. So I think, you know, Vice is doing a great job of it. They're probably, they haven't had to do the remediation that some of the brands have to do because they kind of started there. And I think being able to make media brands that are able to change all the time and be, um, be on the next, you know, be on Snapchat and, and, and be in all these different environments without having to staff up, redo everything. And then by the time you're there, it's, you're already on to the next form that you need Who to be Who uses ready for. Snapchat? Everybody uses Snapchat. <laughs> you use yeah. Snapchat? Everyone but you guys. <laughs> I, I, I How old are you? 35? I'm 35. Yeah. yeah, I don't use it the way my right. little cousins use it, or yeah, anything like that. Yeah, but it's a it's a fucking awesome platform. It really is, and and playing with it, I'm not as engrossed in it as others, but I uh, I definitely see its power and potential. It's it's very, great, very it amazing. It it you know unlike a lot of other messaging platforms, by the nature of how it works, forces a level of creativity that. And engagement. It's an engagement that is, that is beyond you, that you can't avoid. Right. 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 You, you, can't, you can't produce content in Snapchat that isn't in some way 
engaging by the nature of how how you have to produce that as a as as somebody who is is distributing that whether it's to a small group of friends or or globally to play that game you have to be doing it in a very dynamic creative way yeah it's it's interesting how like um you know how twitter and vine and snapchat they're they're all successful by the parameters that are put around them yeah i think that's uh that's fascinating and i think that if twitter does change uh Change that? Yeah. I think they're making a mistake. Yeah, good. I, I, I totally agree. I think that those, uh, those restrictions are what make those those platforms yeah. popular. But Snapchat was just a video editing app that let you shoot out videos to all your friends. It's not, I mean, without uh, disappearing, changes yep. the whole game. Yeah. Danny, what, what, what do you have left for Galman before we um, let him go across the street yeah. back to his uh, third-party development <laughs> shop? <laughs> I'm um, never going to live down this third party. This, uh, you know, this uh, this show is about people and uh-huh. the the people that make up this community. Who are some of the people who have influenced you when you first got here? Uh, continue to influence you, or you know that you that you look up to, that you interact with. Any any yeah. anything along those uh, those and, lines. And who who you know? One of the other goals of the show is to is to make it so that the people who come on introduce us to other people. So sure. when you think about the you know, under 10 people that will listen to this podcast, who are some of the people in, in the Denver Boulder world that, that, that people really maybe don't know, but really ought to know? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I'll say um, Nordmark's great. John Nordmark, who started eBags, and he was, uh, he was one of my first mentors, the reason, reason I got started. But um, his, uh, his co-founder, Peter Cobb, he um, he's now a very big owner. He recently bought the bought the comp- you know a big part of the company back from from Benchmark Capital, uh, and he's also the head of marketing. And the guy taught me everything I know about marketing when I was you know twenty four twenty five years old. And I still get together with Peter you know relatively often, and I learn something new about marketing all the time. So meet Peter Cobb. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows Tom Higley. Yeah. Uh, but Tom's one of my favorite people. I can't, uh, I can't, you know, say enough good things about him. For those of you who don't know Tom Higley, Tom Higley's currently doing uh, 10, 10, 10, which takes 10 wicked problems in a certain, this is once again a parameter-based uh, business, 10 wicked problems based around a certain uh, field, 10 exited uh, CEOs or founders, and 10 days, and, you know, challenges them to come up with something great. But... Tom's, you know, Tom's 61 years old and uh, has more energy than most people I know who are 30 years younger than him. He, he uh, uh, Tom worked uh, with my dad as a law, as a lawyer at my dad's oh, law really? firm. Yeah. <laughs> that's How about awesome. That? That's unbelievable. What a cool guy. That's yeah. a, that's a great story. Let's see who else. So Tom, anybody, you know, and the other thing Tom taught me, which is something that has really shaped what I do is get together with people, help them. Don't worry if you're going to get it back in return. And that's what Tom does, and, and that's just the key to success. Let's see who else, who else? I got One here. more. Well, I got a few more. Right. I'll go, I'll go quick, but, but there, I'll say this. Governor Hickenlooper, this is, he, you know, he, he's definitely below the, uh, below the radar, uh, but we can all learn a lot about, about technology and leadership from him, but he's definitely not below the radar. My other is Perry Evans from, uh, from Closely. Started MapQuest many years ago. 
He still is out there. He's got a product called Perch. Uh, just hearing what Perry's up to and how he's operating and running ideas by him. Pretty cool. Two more. Jim Legeal. Anybody know Jim Legeal? I don't know Jim. I don't think Interesting. I know him. He's, the, uh, he's currently the CFO of, uh, of Sphero. And he was the, the CFO of, uh, of Rally when they, um, when they went public. Before that, he was the CFO of, um, of uh, Raindance. And uh, he was also a member of the Mike Gelman-inspired media advisory board mm. in, uh, in 2002 when I was learning how to run a company after Post.com uh, bust. He's one of the smartest guys in town, and from a financial perspective, uh, he's great. He's, he also taught me the term rat-fucked, yeah. which is um, when you've done something really, really bad that you're going to have a really hard time um, <laughs> turning around. So he yeah. would always say, you're rat-fucked, Gelman. So I love Jim. And finally, uh, we've got to all give it up to, our, to Colorado's new chief innovation officer, uh, Eric yes. Matisic. Eric Matisic, yes. breaking news as so. of yesterday, right? Yeah, I, yep. I saw it today, so for yep. me, it's today. Yeah, we'll get it. We're for gonna, everyone we're, who's listening, it'll be today. Yeah, we're, we talked about uh, getting Eric on here. He's, uh, he'll, be, he'll, he'll be a great guest. I love um, Eric, and I think, that, I think that we all are better for having him in this, uh, this community. And yeah, and that's a, that's a, that's a uh, you know, there are a lot of people who, who, uh, who could have that job and 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 not make as much of it as as he definitely will. You know, he's got endless energy. He knows a lot of people. He's willing to deal with a lot of bureaucracy and has coping skills to deal with that. That that, um, but also has a good startup sense and and is and is and is super uh, plays well with others for sure. He was a client of our. He was a client of Spires in you know who knows it must have been in in the late nineties and uh, and he was like fresh out of college and. Uh, he had that energy now, and he's just grown up into into somebody who really cares. You know, I don't know what he's going to do when when all of this uh, public service is over, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. So, yeah, yeah, this has been great. Yeah, thank you uh, again for uh, for coming on the show, and and uh, excited to to hear the feedback from everybody, and and uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, we hope to have you back. If you think of anybody else uh, we ought to have on, send them our way. Spread the word at uh, turnpikers.com, at turnpikers on Twitter, and, uh, and hopefully we can, uh, we can get some audience going and get some new people uh, introduced to some new people. Well, I love the fact that I was, uh, you know, I'm the first, uh, I'm the first uh, guest because probably nobody's going to hear this. We can all agree <laughs> upon that. But I do want to add that the two more influential people and people who have really uh, been great to me here, Luke Beatty. Danny Newman, you guys are awesome. You're, uh, you've also made it great to be doing what I'm doing, and I, uh, I enjoy seeing what you all are up to all the time. So thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Appreciate thank it, you guys. Mazel tov. That's a wrap. <laughs> you've been listening to Turnpikers, a show about the people who make up the Denver and Boulder tech community. You can reach us directly and discover more about the show at turnpikers.com and at turnpikers on Twitter. Please send us your questions, comments, and recommend future guests.